electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is the American Greed Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, Jacob Kingston is a high-ranking member of the Order, the most powerful religious sect you've never heard of. I want to start by bearing my testimony that this is the work of the Lord. The Fed yeah. say the Order controls an empire of hundreds of businesses throughout the American West allegedly worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Most of the members believe that they work hard to make money for the order because God's army is going to need to be well-funded when Jesus comes. But this deep-pocketed holy man has a surprising partner, a shady fuel baron who calls himself the Lion. He's this very flashy figure, dresses in very expensive clothes, throws lavish parties, drives fancy cars. The polygamist and the lion steal millions from the government in a biofuel scheme until they are met by another unlikely combo, tenacious federal agents and a teenaged girl. My dad has over 300 kids. An insider determined to break away from the order and expose the truth. I knew that this was my chance to get out and I had to take it and I couldn't look back. She is privy to all the transactions that happen within the order. He started explaining that all these businesses are connected and all these people are connected. They're all part of this cult. Member of a fundamentalist polygamist sect, a guy with three wives and 20 children, teams up with an immigrant from Armenia to steal $500 million from the federal government. Doesn't get any more American than that. On a cold morning just before dawn, 17-year-old Mary Jacobs gets up and dressed while her family sleeps. Today is the day she decides to change her life forever. I remember getting up that morning knowing that I was gonna leave the order. Mary Jacobs is escaping from her parents who would have her engaged to marry her first cousin in two days. The order believes in incestuous relationships to keep their bloodline pure. It's something that you grow up knowing you're going to be married to somebody in the family. Working in the Order's accounting office, Mary knows where the financial bodies are buried and holds key information that could help to expose her secretive family's alleged crimes. Brian Nelson, Mary's boyfriend, helped plan her escape. And I remember when she came to me and she said, okay, I'm ready. I said, great, let's go right now. Let's contact the FBI. In the suburbs of Salt Lake City, 
The streets are clean, the houses well kept, and the neighbors are friendly. It's also home to what has been called the most powerful polygamist group in America, the Order. Also known as the Kingston Group and officially the Davis County Cooperative Society. It's estimated 3,500 to 5,000 members live in the Salt Lake Valley, blending into the suburbs in family homes with minivans in the driveway. Vince Beiser is a freelance journalist and author. They don't live in compounds. They live in regular neighborhoods. They work regular jobs. They dress in regular clothes. You know, they appear uh, outwardly like just regular, ordinary folks. The sect was founded in 1935 by a man named Charles Eldon Kingston. Today, seven brothers in the Kingston line run the group. Their supreme leader is Brother Paul Kingston. See that standard in the gospel is here. In 1995, Mary Jacobs is born into the order. Her father, David Kingston, is one of these seven brothers. Her mother is his half-sister, married in the order at age 15. My mom was a fifth wife to David Kingston. He currently has 17 wives. I am one of 15 children to my mom and my dad has over 300 kids in the Salt Lake Valley, and he's just one person in the order. Lindsay Hansen Park is the host of the Year of Polygamy podcast. And the idea is they are organizing this kingdom of God on earth under the order of heaven. And it is very orderly, it's very number-based, so the men are ordered by number, their wives are attached to them by number, and it's almost like the group sees themselves as God's accounting system. A numbered man in the order is somebody who signs away everything that they will ever make into the order. They believe it's like a way to get into heaven. Over the last 100 years, the group's members create an empire of businesses and real estate throughout the American West. They have many million-dollar businesses. They have security companies. You've got coin and laundry businesses, ice companies, pawn shops. And the idea is you build up these businesses for the greater good to restore wealth. In addition to polygamy, the order practices the voluntary consecration of wealth, where all businesses and all money is shared with the group. Former member Michelle Michaels explains the order's teaching. If a child finds a penny on the ground, the first thing that he should want to do is turn it into the church, turn it into the order. He shouldn't even think about spending that penny until after it goes to the order bank. The order bank is what members call their internal system that keeps track of income and spending for order members. Mary Jacobs has been working at the order's financial office since she was a child. From the time I was seven years old, I was preparing these financial statements for every single member of the order. All of the transactions and anything that an order member spends is recorded on those statements. And then as I got older, I started preparing the business financials. And then I started helping prepare their taxes for their different businesses. 
Mary's older first cousin, Jacob Kingston, also grows up in the order and into this culture of creating wealth and prosperity for his people. Jacob is a favored son, and before long, his formal portrait joins the others amongst the ranks of the numbered men. He is number 95. I want to start by bearing my testimony that this is the work of the Lord and that uh, Brother Paul is the man on the washtower. Jacob Kingston is one of the grandsons of one of the founders of this sect, the Kingston Group. And according to their own beliefs, that means that his bloodline goes directly back to Jesus Christ himself. So he's sort of been a, a bit of a prince of the Kingston Group ever since he was born. And when he's 17, Jacob decides to get married to his sweetheart, Sally. As a good polygamist, Jacob takes other wives and eventually winds up with a total of three wives and around 20 children of his own. In the early 2000s, Jacob enrolls in a doctoral program in mechanical engineering and begins to develop a new business idea for the order, turning French fry grease into diesel fuel. To foster green energy, the U.S. government pours billions into biofuels in the form of tax credits. It works out to roughly on the order of $2 a gallon straight from the federal government just for having made this stuff. And then you get to sell the stuff and make whatever you make. Jacob Kingston sets up a biodiesel refinery on his father's ranch in northern Utah. And by 2008, the Washakie Renewable Energy Facility begins importing vegetable oil, converting it into biofuel, and then trying to sell it. For the first few years, however, business is terrible. All the places where they can source the actual vegetable oil are a long ways away. So they wind up having to truck vegetable oil in from the Midwest, expensive, right? They have to truck all this stuff way out to their plant in the middle of nowhere, where they do indeed convert it into biodiesel, but then they have to, again, truck it from there to wherever the buyers are. With high expenses and low sales, profits are zero. Until Jacob Kingston devises a plan to turn the company around. He decides if he can't actually produce and sell the biofuel, He'll pretend like he is. Arthur Ivencheck is a former trial attorney for the U.S. Department of Justice. Utah was a terrible place to make biodiesel, but as it turns out, it was a fine place to commit fraud. And with the right documentation, Uncle Sam will never notice a thing. He gets in touch with some other really shady operators in this world of biodiesel. Jacob pretends to make biodiesel, sells it to them, they pretend to buy it from him, and then sell it on down the line, and they pull in a couple of million dollars in federal tax credits. So Jacob clearly thinks, wow, this beats doing business the legitimate way. Kingston enlists his brother Isaiah, his first wife Sally, and his mother Rachel, all employees of Washakie Renewable Energy to help him falsify documents and cook the books. The paperwork appears to check out. The IRS and the EPA process the invoices, and over the next few years, Jacob Kingston collects government checks totaling about $10 million. John Huber is the former U.S. attorney for the District of Utah. The Kingstons had been engaged in this fraud scheme to steal money from 
the U.S. Treasury for a couple of years. They were doing pretty good at it. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Jacob Kingston is the public face of Washakie Renewable Energy, serving as CEO of the biofuel company. But privately, he is a member of the secretive religious sect, The Order, and is plugging away at an ever-growing fraud scheme, buying cheap blended oil and tricking the IRS into paying out millions. They fake up paperwork to make it look like what they really bought was vegetable oil and that they converted it into biodiesel. They claim all the tax credits, cha-ching. And then they're going to sell it to buyers in India. 700,000 gallons of biodiesel are shipped off to India. But by the time the ship arrives, the buyer is out of business. What's he going to do with this stuff? Jacob sends his salespeople all over the place like, find me somebody who's willing to buy 700,000 gallons of possibly rancid biodiesel. Who's going to buy something like that? Who's going to buy something like that is Lev Derman, a.k.a. The Lion. Lev Derman likes to call himself The Lion. The Lion is born in Armenia, immigrates to L.A. as a teen, and has close ties to Turkey. His original name is Levon Termengian, but he changes it to Lev Aslan Derman, Aslan meaning lion in Turkish. And all of his businesses are called Lion Trucking, Lion Fuel, or he's got a couple of gas stations that are called Noil Gas. It's lion backwards, right? The lions are his image. Everywhere he goes, he has sculptures of lions, pictures of lions. He tells people, call me the lion. And he really carries himself with a lot of swagger. He likes to dress really flashy. He drives Lamborghinis, he's got a Bugatti, he's got an armored SUV, he's got an office on Rodeo Drive, and he travels around by private jet. He lives in a very different world from poor Jacob Kingston, who grew up in a house with seven kids in two bedrooms. When the lion learns of Kingston's cut-rate boatload of questionable oil, he says, I'll take it. So not only is Derman going to buy the fuel, they're going to fake up all this paperwork so that they can claim millions of dollars in tax credits. They make a couple of million dollars. Now they're in business together. Once Kingston and Derman are in business together, Washakie Renewable Energy's relatively small-time fraud operation suddenly goes boom. What changed for the Kingstons and their fraud scheme once they met Lev Derman is that they got to a new stratosphere of fraud. And once Lev Derman got involved and the conspiracy continued under his tutelage, the amounts of money are mind-blowing. The unlikely partners go all in, shipping and trucking low-grade fuel around the world 
to make it look like real buying, selling, and biofuel conversion is going on. There was just a shell game shuffling around large amounts of dirty oil, claiming that this was something good for the environment and something good for the nation. Prior to working with Derman, the Kingstons submitted claims for IRS and EPA credit payments, totaling about $41 million. Within five years of meeting Derman, their claims total a staggering $1.1 billion. And by 2015, $511 million of that had been paid out. This is cash in hand. These are checks drafted from the United States Treasury that are sent to the Kingstons and their associates. The value of our order standards. While still intimately tied to the order, Jacob Kingston is forging a high-profile path to keep up with his unlikely business partner in crime, the Lion, a.k.a. Lev Derman, a.k.a. Levon Tremenzian. After all, why orchestrate a billion-dollar cash scam if you're not going to have a little fun? The two of them are giving each other presents of Rolex watches worth north of $100,000. They're giving each other Maseratis and Bugattis. At one point, Derman shows up at a, at a Kingston family picnic in a chrome Lamborghini, comes around to the picnic, says hi to everybody, and then just hands the keys to Jake and says, here, this is yours. Through shell companies and offshore accounts, Terminzian purchases a luxury hotel, a $12 million yacht, and a waterfront mansion in Huntington Beach, California. For his birthday, Jacob Kingston presents Derman with a $1.8 million Bugatti Veyron. And Termenzian, in turn, buys Jacob Kingston a $3.5 million mansion in Sandy, Utah. One of the really foundational beliefs of the order is to live humbly. Unfortunately, that tenant doesn't translate to the leadership. So someone like Jacob Kingston, who is high up in the hierarchy of the church. He lives in gated mansion communities, driving Bugattis. Kingston travels the world in style, investing in foreign enterprises. Standing for a photo wearing a $2,000 suit with the president of Turkey, the once humble polygamist has risen to unfathomable heights. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. It's halftime at a Utah Jazz game, and CEO Jacob Kingston is center court. As a $2 million a year sponsor of the team, he watches as his company promo fills the jumbotrons. Sun, water, earth. The miracle of our planet is that she seems to take care of us as we take care of her. 
It's an extraordinary synergy Washakie Renewable Energy is built upon. But what no one knows is that the Kingston's business plan has mainly turned to ripping off the government. The order traditionally has tried to keep a very low profile, whereas Jacob Kingston decided to do the exact opposite. He tried to have Washakie's name up everywhere in Utah. Here he was claiming to the IRS that his company was producing millions and then hundreds of millions of gallons of biodiesel. And so in order to do that, he had to project the image of a successful company. That supposedly successful company is being paid hundreds of millions of dollars from the U.S. Treasury. But the huge claims are raising some red flags. By 2015, the company is getting audited by the IRS. And the EPA opens an investigation as well. There is an IRS auditor sitting in Washakie offices going through all the fraudulent paperwork that they've created and asking for more paperwork, which Kingston family members are furiously in the background creating more and more false paperwork to get this IRS auditor off of their back. If Jacob Kingston is concerned, however, it doesn't slow down the fraud. After all, Kingston trusts that the lion will protect him. Levon Tremenzian claims to have a vast network of law enforcement agents and corrupt officials on his payroll, all of whom make up an impenetrable umbrella of protection for those paying up enough to stand under it. One of the reasons that Jacob thought he was fine committing this incredibly brazen fraud was that Derman kept telling him, I have all kinds of cops and prosecutors and government officials on my payroll, and they're going to protect us no matter what happens. The way they split their fraud proceeds is that Kingston gets 25% and Termenzian gets 25%. Jacob Kingston believes that the other 50% is going to the umbrella of protection. This umbrella of protection is both a shield and a sword. It's protecting him from the feds, but it's indebting him further and further to Levon Termenjian. And Levon Termenjian is increasingly holding him in the palm of his hands, telling him, you will do exactly what I tell you, because otherwise you're going away for good. What Termenzian is telling Jacob Kingston is to send more and more money to Turkey for safekeeping to the tune of more than $130 million. Levon Termenzian knows that at some point Jacob Kingston is going to be caught, but Levon Termenzian's plan is that he will never be caught. And if he needs to flee, he will get on his private jet, fly over to Istanbul, and live out his days with all the hundreds of millions of dollars in fraud money that they've made together. And although the bulk of the $500 million in fraud proceeds is going to the lion, Jacob Kingston is still funneling plenty of his share of the illegal profits to the order. True to the practice of consecrating wealth, Jacob steers at least $30 million into the order's coffers. Like, whatever he, Jacob needs to do, let him do it. But it's working out great for all of us here at the Order. There's tons of money coming in. Everybody's happy. Mary Jacobs has never known life outside the Order. Until she's 17, 
and her parents enrolled her in a local community college for accounting classes to help her with her job at the Order's financial center. My mom and my dad told me that I was going to go to college and get my associates in business. And then by the time I'm done with that, I should be engaged or married. We were going to school so that we could better help grow the order. Mary is allowed to take classes only under strict supervision. But despite the tight controls, she catches the eye of fellow student Brian Nelson. I was talking with a friend and we walked into like the study hall and I and I saw this this woman out in the distance and it was Mary and I just thought she was she looked beautiful. So I went up and talked to her and Mary and I just hit it off right away. Even though Mary is chaperoned to school every day by her brother, she finds time during the day to sneak away and talk to Brian, who has never heard of the order. Mary begins to open up about her family. So she starts telling me about the structure of the order. My dad has 18 wives. At the time, he had over 200 children. And I mean, at that point, I felt like I was living in an alternate reality. Mary tells Brian that her father lives in secrecy and fear of being arrested. David Kingston spent four years in prison during her childhood for incest and unlawful sexual assault of his 16-year-old niece. After she testified, he took her as his 15th wife against her will. Now, in her relationship with Brian Nelson, for the first time in her life, Mary is seeing things from an outsider's perspective. And Brian Nelson is horrified. I mean, she started talking to me about the really, really evil aspects of the order, like 15-year-old girls marrying their uncles, marrying their cousins. She started telling about her own parents. Her parents are a half-brother, half-sister. I said, these are felonies. This is incest, third-degree felony. I remember the incest part really kind of got to me, like, there's something really wrong here. Outraged by what he is hearing, Brian Nelson wants to know more and wants to help Mary see that there is a different life outside the one she has known. But one day, Mary gets caught. They completely, like, put me on lockdown. I couldn't go anywhere without my mom next to me. I had to sleep in her bed so that she knew I was there. Mary says her father tells her there is only one way to make things right, marriage within the order. The person they want her to marry is her first cousin. She says she would be his fifth wife, and she has a deadline of two weeks to be engaged. They wanted me to be engaged to him when I was 16 years old. And I pushed it off for as long as I possibly could until my dad said, you need to be engaged by the end of these two weeks. Mary begins secretly typing up a letter to Brian and is able quickly to email it from the office while no one is watching. So I'm receiving this email as an attachment and it's a letter from her and it's saying, I'm sorry. I was found out that I was talking to an outsider. They want me to marry somebody within two weeks. I want you to know I care about you and I hope you forgive me. And I immediately responded, hoping that she was gonna still have access to be able to read the email. And I said, Mary, let's get you out. Let's plan your escape. Brian enlists the help of his parents and they devise a plan to get Mary out of the state until she's 18, if she decides she wants to go. That 
that's when my mind started even thinking about the possibility of leaving the order. I can leave, like that's a possibility for me. I remember getting up that morning knowing that I was gonna leave the order. There wasn't another chance for me. Like if they caught me, that was it. I would never have another chance to leave. So I went and woke up my younger sister and I said, go start making the eggs. I'm gonna be right back. And I went downstairs, grabbed a bag of my stuff and left. It was kind of the moment of truth. I'm looking at the time. Sure enough, I see her running toward me. And I go, Mary, Mary, run, run, come on. Let's go, we gotta go. And we're running and we're going straight to that outlet where my dad was waiting in that car with the back seat open. And then immediately Mary just jumps in. We get in, my dad takes off. The next day, Brian's parents drive Mary to Las Vegas, where she would stay for five months until she turns 18. There, Mary Jacobs gets a job and her first taste of life outside the order. She also continues to date and fall in love with Brian Nelson. Things just seemed to fall into place, and he made me feel really comfortable, and it was really easy to talk to him. He made me feel good, and like I actually like had a choice in what I was doing. They get married in Las Vegas on Mary's 18th birthday. Only then does she return to the home she ran away from to let her polygamist parents know she would not be rejoining the order. They were shocked. They shut off and they kind of were like, okay, it's time for you to go. You're not gonna be a part of our life anymore. I told myself, they need to see that I'm not trying to hurt them. I didn't leave the order to hurt them and I don't have a problem with what they're doing. I just wanted something else for my own life. From the outside, Mary and Brian Nelson appear to be an average young couple settling into married life, creating a home, starting a family. But Mary also opens up to her husband about what she has seen working in the Order's accounting office for 10 years. She is privy to all the transactions that happen within the Order. She sees the way that they would bring in all this money and it would be deposited into certain bank accounts controlled by the leaders. And the biggest business that the order operated was called Washki Renewable Energy. Same with the businesses. All of the businesses that are run through the order. Brian Nelson becomes obsessed with exposing the order's alleged illegal activities. And based on what he learns, he suspects a massive tax fraud. This, he believes, could be the ticket to bringing the order down. As Mary and Brian Nelson walk into a meeting with the FBI, agents are unaware that one of the biggest tax fraud cases in Utah's history is about to unravel. The young couple wants to share all they know about the order, from allegations of sex crimes and underage marriage to various types of state and federal tax fraud. You had somebody like me that wasn't going to let go, was going to do everything to make sure that the order was brought down and exposed. And then you had the perfect person to be able to help do that. And that was Mary that saw and was a part her whole life of these financial transactions and how they occurred. We told them 
who the owners of Washkey Renewable Energy was and that they were a part of the order. I was able to see a lot of the different transactions or even businesses that Washakie laundered money through. Once we started talking and we started explaining that all these businesses are connected and all these people are connected, they're all part of this cult, that's when they were like, oh, okay, there's something wrong. The FBI quickly learned that the IRS and the EPA have already been secretly investigating the company, their CEO, Jacob Kingston, and his ties to shady Los Angeles fuel dealer, Levon Tremenzian. It starts to become clear that the issue here is a criminal issue. I mean, you're looking at this small plant in northern Utah that's claiming millions, then tens of millions, then hundreds of millions of dollars in credits from the IRS for producing biodiesel. And it doesn't add up. They had already audited Washkey plenty of times before talking to us. They didn't understand the connection between Washkey and all their shell companies and all of the businesses that were being used to launder all the money. So once we told them these are all run by the same people, I think it really helped solidify what they originally thought was happening. Mark Pugsley is Marion Bryan's attorney. They met with them for hundreds of hours, hundreds, to detail what the operations were, who the players were, uh, what their role was, how the Washakie energy uh, uh, scam was being run without Mary's information that she brought with her when she left. And Brian's very detailed research into the order, I don't think this ever would have happened. Meanwhile, even as investigators are homing in, Jacob Kingston submits another $600 million in fraudulent claims. This time, the claims are denied by the IRS, and it's time for the feds to make a move. At 8 a.m. on February 10th, 2016, a team of more than 100 federal agents mobilizes a coordinated effort to raid several locations related to the investigation of Washakie Renewable Energy, including the home and offices of CEO Jacob Kingston and the financial center for the order. But the feds won't know until much later about a phone call that had come in to Jacob Kingston a few days prior from a man calling himself Mr. Green, who tells Kingston a raid is in the works. Michelle Michaels is 16 years old and working at the order offices at the time. They were tipped off which places could possibly be hit. They said, by this day, you need to have these computers wiped. Michelle says she and other minor members of the order are enlisted to hide and destroy evidence. Something was gonna happen and we couldn't let it get into the wrong hands. That's what I understood. And then obviously the raid happened, connect the dots. Despite all of the plans laid by federal agents to do this in secrecy and with surprise, somehow a mole somewhere in the federal government tipped off the Kingstons that the feds were coming after them. A mole sympathetic to the order derails the investigation. So the feds didn't really turn up all that much on those raids, and they actually 
said, where you could see from the dust that there had been folders there until very recently. We seized all these computers and found that the hard drives had been wiped. So whatever there was there, there are things that the order was trying to hide and wanted to make sure that the government did not know about. But the group was not able to wipe a non-order controlled server used by Roshiki Renewable Energy. And thousands of emails and other documents are able to be seized, allowing the government to build a case. On August 23, 2018, Jacob Kingston walks down a sky bridge at the Salt Lake City Airport, heading for a flight to Turkey. Before he can board the aircraft, plain-clothed federal agents step out and arrest him. His brother Isaiah is also taken into custody the same day. They are indicted on more than 40 counts of fraud and conspiracy. On the same day in Los Angeles, Levon Tremenzian, now legally going by the Turkish name Lev Derman, is arrested after walking into a federal building for a meeting on an unrelated case. And at first, they all say, we didn't do it, we're innocent, not telling you anything. Jacob and Isaiah Kingston's mother, Rachel, as well as Jacob's first wife, Sally, are also charged with multiple counts. Washakie Renewable Energy was a family enterprise. And all of them were involved in the fraud in various ways. They were involved in creating fake paperwork, in making sure that fuel was sent around where it was supposed to be sent, but then falsely reported on the paperwork. Once the Kingston brothers realized they could be facing life in prison, they agree to plead guilty, fully cooperate, and testify against the lion. For seven weeks, celebrity defense attorney Mark Garagos, who has represented the likes of Michael Jackson, Winona Ryder, and Scott Peterson, defends Lev Derman, AKA Levon Tremenzian, against the government's avalanche of evidence supporting their charges that he is the mastermind of the billion-dollar Washakie renewable energy fraud, even though his name is nowhere on the paperwork. Derman's defense basically was, I'm a legitimate businessman, and I was drawn into this scheme by these crazy, corrupt, weirdo, polygamist characters. It is true that Jacob had already been committing millions of dollars worth of biodiesel fraud before he'd even met Derman. But it was, we're talking about single-digit millions. It's only when Derman comes into the picture that all of a sudden the scam just mushrooms in size. Jacob Kingston is the star witness testifying against his former partner in crime. We were not asking the jury to believe Jacob Kingston. We were just asking the jury to listen to Jacob Kingston and believe the rest of the evidence that we had at trial, the text messages, the bank records, the other insiders who testified, the photos, the recordings, the videos, all of it put together corroborated everything Jacob Kingston told the jury. In March 2020, Lev Derman is found guilty on 10 counts and faces life in prison. Jacob, Isaiah, Sally, and Rachel Kingston, who all pleaded guilty, and Derman are awaiting sentencing, delayed due to the COVID pandemic. 
The order, officially known as the Davis County Cooperative Society, states that they were not aware of the fraud and that Washakie Renewable Energy Executives actively hid the details of their business activity. Further, the group maintains that they have been unfairly persecuted because some members practice plural marriage. They claim to be targeted by the media, by Brian and Mary Nelson, and many other former order members, mainly young women, who have spoken out against the group's alleged practice of promoting underage marriage and turning a blind eye to abuse. The group states that plural marriages of individuals under 18 are not allowed and that abuse should not be condoned under any circumstances. Mary's mother has stated she would not have forced her daughter to marry her cousin. Meanwhile, Mary and Brian Nelson have settled into a new life. I have an amazing life. I'm so thankful for everything that I have. I have two amazing kids, and I'm married to the love of my life. And there's just nothing like being able to choose your own life and things that you want, and that's something that I never imagined would happen. The Nelsons continue to work with other former Order members like Michelle Michaels, who got out three years after Mary in order to expose what they claim are other alleged issues and crimes within the group. I've always talked about and said how Washakie is only one piece of this. This is a war, and we won the Battle of Washakie. What's next? No other leaders or members of the order have been charged with any crimes. The Department of Justice continues to investigate allegations against the order leadership. And so the hope is also that this sends a message to members of the order or people who have left the order, that if they have evidence about crimes committed by the order, that the numbered men, the leaders of the order, are not untouchable, that they can be investigated, prosecuted, and brought to justice. Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.